Folks, welcome to another edition of uh, Driving the Sea Bus. Today, we're going to jump into the distilling and restaurant uh, business with uh, Mr. Jordan Hellman, who's president of High Bank Distillery. So join us as we uh, talk more about entrepreneurship and how things get started and how they name their distillery and all the great things that they're doing at High Banks. Well, once again, folks, uh, welcome back to the uh, uh, podcast, uh, Driving the Sea Bus. I'm here with uh, Kaylin McComb, my, uh, uh, I'm Kaylin sorry, Bucklew. Kaylin Bucklew. It's that's right. with Social Security now. Exactly. And uh, and she is with Child as well. So Woo-hoo. that's right. We've Super got, with uh, Child. We've got Piper Rose Bucklew coming into the world here in just uh, uh, probably about 45 days from now. Hopefully a little bit less than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. So it's good to be back with you. Um, we have a great uh, guest with us today, Mr. Jordan Hellman. He's uh, uh, one of the owners of High Bank Distillery and uh, a great purveyor of spirits here in central Ohio. Um, obviously, Columbus has gotten to know uh, uh, quite a few uh, great distillers uh, as well. So we're, I don't know if that's a, a, new, a new thing we're going to be known for or not. What do you think, Jordan? Uh, hopefully, yeah. Well, there's a lot of awards and things that uh, that people have won uh, here in Columbus. And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, and about Highbacks. Oh, man, where to begin? Um, yeah, grew up in uh, Central Ohio. Been here most of my life. Spent a couple years up in Cleveland living. But yeah, never really got out of Columbus. Uh, Love the city. Um, yeah, started Highbank about four years ago with uh, a couple of my business partners, uh, Adam, Calvin, and Jeff, and. Yeah, I was just kind of born out of a passion for the food and beverage hospitality industry. Um, you know, with with the spirits specifically, we thought there was just kind of a, a gap in the market. When we really started working on the project, it was really just Middle West spirits and watershed. There weren't a lot of other distilleries in the state. Um, but when we were looking at the brewery scene, there were immense amount of breweries. Um, and just with some of the laws that were changing, allowing you know food and beverage to happen on the same location as the distillery, which was previously not legal before we got involved in, in our project. Yeah. We just thought it was a a great opportunity to, um, you know, start a great business that, you know, married, uh, passions we had for bourbon specifically, um, again, as well as hospitality, but along with, you know, what we thought was a pretty good business opportunity as well. So that's great. Now, did you have a, is your background? I mean, not, not everybody just goes out and starts a distillery or desires to, you know, get in the restaurant business, right? It's a tough, tough business right, yeah. to be in. Did you, did you always dream about doing that or what did you do before you started high banks? Yeah. I mean, as a, as a kid, I always dreamed of owning my own business. That was always my dream. I just never knew what that would look like. Um, out of college, I was in insurance. I did uh, property claims adjusting. So, you know, I was a guy climbing on the roof, you know, going in the basement you know, determining if there was insurance coverage. And then I did some underwriting for a few years extremely boring. No offense to any underwriters out there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I ended up starting Zest Juice Company uh, with my wife, Natalie, which is a quick service, uh, cold pressed juice and smoothie bar. Um, didn't know anything about that. Just saw it as an opportunity to work for myself, do something with my wife that we were both passionate about. Uh, so that's kind of how I, I guess I caught the itch for the restaurant industry. And then once I got into that and felt like I had a skill set for it and had a passion for it, um, I'm more drawn to the full service side of things, especially, um, the bar side and more, you know, casual yet elevated experiences. So that's what kind of pushed me down the road of, of pursuing high bank. And then my primary business partner, Adam, 
um, he did all the brand design for Zest. So he helped to start the marketing and design the branding and all that. So we had started, we were friends for years, but we had started a working relationship and we decided to do High Bank together, but he didn't want to just do a bar and restaurant. He's like, if we're going to do this, I want to do something, whether it's brewing or distilling, you know, something that we can create uh, and have another component to the business. So that's what kind of helped push us down that path to the distillery as well. So gotcha. is the, uh, is the zest thing still around? Or you yeah. Still, that's the, and would you, how many locations of that do you have? Yes. Yeah, so we have four locations in Columbus. We have one Grandview, which is our first one, uh, the short North Dublin and Westerville. Wonderful. So, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Now when it comes to distilling, bourbon can be quite a craft. So how, how did you learn to do that? And how did you kind of come about what you now distill? Yeah. So Adam is our master distiller. I'm the president of the company. So I oversee, you know, all things. Um, but I don't get into distilling. I'd probably blow up our facility. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of trial and error. So our bourbon, we make from scratch in-house. That product we have not released yet. That'll probably come out early next year. Because there's a time limit, right, on what it, what, how long it has to sit before it can be classified as bourbon. Oh, gosh. This I think it's, what, five years? It's probably something to edit out. I should know that and don't. It's painted on our wall. <laughs> you have people. Distillery. You have people exactly. that handle that. Yeah, that's, that's, right. that's Adam could tell you that off the rip. Um, you can release young bourbon. We just don't think it tastes good. And we don't really, we didn't want to release young bourbon just because we needed to generate revenue. We we wanted to wait until our bourbon was ready, which we think the four-year mark is um, an appropriate spot where bourbon really starts to get some really good flavor. And we like ours is trending and feel it's going to be ready there. So what we do instead, um, because obviously we do have to make money. Uh, so we do a vodka and we do a gin. Um, our vodka just won double gold at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. It's priced below Tito's. To me, it's the best vodka on the market. <laughs> Not only is it local, but it just won double gold at the you know biggest spirits. Did you bring any samples? In the world. You know, I should have. Oh, I usually, geez. I usually do. That was terrible. Well, I mean, we'll, I apologize. We'll catch that next time. Um, but so, in addition to the vodka and the gin that we make, we uh, blend whiskey. So we have our own proprietary blend. About we take three different mash bills. Um, again. Adam, I think, spent about nine months working on our, our Whiskey War blend that we sell at High Bank, um, which that won Best Blend of Whiskey in America last year at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. Um, won double gold this year, and we're still in the running for Best Blend of Whiskey in America for the second year in a row. That'll be announced in June. Um, but yeah, as far as the blending goes, I mean, honestly, Adam is just naturally, randomly really good at blending whiskey. I mean, the guy's just incredible at it. Um, he went to um, Moonshine University, which is a real place down in Kentucky for a couple months, shattered a distiller up in New York for a little bit. Um, we, just, we built some relationships with distillers throughout the course of our time getting high bank ready that he spent some time with. But yeah, the guy's just naturally good at blending whiskey. Um, drinks a lot of it. Maybe that's why. I don't know. So um, yeah, but we just, uh, in my opinion, knocked it out of the park with our whiskey war blend. And we've really I mean, really been able to build our business on that great product and also the unique things we do with it. We do a lot of second aging, a lot of third aging, you know, we double oak it. We, we find re like really good wine barrels to put it in. We just bought some cognac barrels. We're going to put it in. So, you know, we're just always trying to get creative and, and take this incredible base that we have and, and do unique things with it. So, yeah. And, and you know, the, so the, uh, your business is twofold, right? So you've got the spirits and, and, and that's being sold in liquor stores and, yeah. and other types of outlets. And yeah, we're probably in 180 liquor stores across the state of Ohio. We're probably in 150 bars and restaurants across the state of Ohio. So, yeah. So you have that. And then, of course, you have your, your two shops, right? Or one shop and another one to come. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, it's really it really is two different businesses. That's how I look at it. Because we, I mean, they're both 
I mean, in their own rights, good, good sized businesses. Um, uh, so yeah, we have the restaurants, you know, the one in Grandview that's been open for four years. Um, and again, uh, 614 media group does the best of Columbus every year. Um, you know, we've gotten first place in a number of categories. We've won best creative cocktail program three years in a row. We just won, I think best restaurant as long as well as best bar in the upper Arlington Grandview area, just one best gastro pub in the city. Um, so we take a ton of pride in both aspects of our business, whether we're distilling or creating, you know, food and beverages for our patrons, we try to be the best at everything that we do. Um, and we're really proud of that because we're, we're very high volume. We're big. I mean, our restaurant's about 9,000 square feet, um, with the patio open, it's, you know, almost 300 seats. Um, so this isn't a small, you know, experience. This is a large experience that we've found a way to, to curate and really, uh, execute at a high level, despite the amount of volume we do. And yeah, this uh, next week we'll be opening our second location, which we're extremely proud of and extremely excited for. I think I've been working on it for about 18 months, so I'm ready. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's great. Now, I was in your shop, uh, I don't know, not too long ago, and, and I just have to commend you on uh, how you motivate your people or maybe your training program or something, because I had an excellent experience. I mean, the staff was just exceptional. Yeah, that's great uh, to hear. What do, you, what do you do? What's the secret sauce that you have to motivate folks to – be so pleasant and attentive. And I mean, it seemed like they were just having a blast working, you know, and uh, you just don't see that everywhere. Oh, that's great to hear. Um, gosh, you know, I, I don't think there's anything particularly special from our perspective that we do. Um, you know, the ownership group, we're in the building a lot. Like me and Adam, this is our full-time job. We're around, you know, we spend time with our staff. We, you know, get to know our managers. We, try to build relationships with our managers. We try to build a relationship with as many staff as we can. It's harder than it used to be now that we're expanding and growing. Um, yeah, but I'd like to believe it's just, it's a reflection of the kind of people that we are and the kind of, and the way we try to treat others. I like to believe that just trickles down throughout our staff. Um, you know, culture is really big deal to us, taking care of people, treating people the way we want to be treated, things like that. So yeah, I mean, when we go in every day, I don't, think there's anything special that we really try to do we just try to treat people the right way take as great as care of each other as we can and then hopefully that care then gets passed on to our guests and so on and so forth now i know you're you guys are working on opening your second location and i think one thing that's consistent across all entrepreneurs is that they're super hungry you know once they start getting one business established it's it's working like a well-oiled machine they're always looking into the future how did you know when it was the right time to pull the trigger to start location number two yeah i think i think part of it for me was when i felt like i finally had time that kind of told me like okay i've got a good team in place um i'm i'm getting to a place where i'm handing off more and more stuff and i'm i'm kind of finding myself some days twiddling my thumbs a little bit that's kind of when i was like all right it's time to start looking um because we really have a good team of people here that it's not going to overextend our business if we start looking to grow um, I think that's one of the things I learned from Zest is growth is great, but you can grow too fast. You can overextend right. your team. You can overextend your business. Um, so that's something I've tried to take the high bank of, you know, we want to grow, but grow responsibly, grow once we have managers that are able to grow with us. Um, so that was a big piece of it, just feeling like we had the right team in place to support growth, but then also locations like such a big deal for us. Um, especially, I mean, we are a, a the format of our restaurant to me is it's like, it's specific. We're not, I don't feel like we, our restaurant doesn't feel like other restaurants in my opinion. We're big, open, you know, space is a big deal. It's not how many seats can we cram in. It's like, how can we capture the, the space and feel and overall environment that we want to have? And that takes a certain size building. So, um, 
it was about finding the right building and also the right location. We didn't want to cannibalize our current location, but we also wanted to go into an area where we felt there was a need for more restaurants, you know, enough uh, residential density that we thought made sense, you know, the right demographics, all of that. So um, finding that location, you know, in Gahanna, right on the border of New Albany, just really checked every box. And uh, again, the timing as far as feeling like the team was ready, just lined up. So, And yeah. how long has this process taken you? I know you guys are about to open. So from start to opening, yeah. know, what did that look like? I believe I first pulled into the parking lot and was staring at this space in September of 2020. So it's been a minute. What a great time to open up a new business. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a good time to plan to open up well, one, exactly. right? I mean, and now the, and the, so now they're going to hit the ground running when things are opened up. And you're going to do very, very well at that location. Uh, you know, that, that like you said before, it's about um, – uh, location is everything in your business. I mean, now, of course, you are kind of a destination, though, too. So I think people would drive, yeah. you know, a little bit. Uh, to, I know people come to the the Grandview location that you have, and and uh, and from all over the city. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, uh, I think you'll find that uh, that New Albany, Gahanna crowd is, uh, and and also even east of town, like sure. Blacklick. Uh, Colts Neck, all that area there. You know, there's not a lot of opportunities or not a lot of uh, uh, things to compete with there. Right. You know, the barn across the street, you know, Cameron's uh, mm -hmm. barn, uh, just uh, that was in the old Hoggies location and he just kills it there, yeah. you know. And uh, and so uh, I, I'm sure you're going to do just fine at, at with uh, complementing that. You know, that, that's a fine dining, definitely, uh, you know, experience. And then you've got the distillery experience right across the street. Yeah, no, I think it's a great, uh, I think they definitely play off each other well. The barn being there honestly gave me a lot of comfort of like, all right, people are obviously, there's some habits already built in as far as coming over this direction for a restaurant experience. There's obviously a ton of demand. So, yeah. Now getting started, you know, uh, you've, you've talked about earlier how you've always dreamed of owning your own business and, and that kind of thing. Um, you know, a lot of folks dream about that. They just never act on it, you know, um, what was it that made you act? And then, and then secondly, uh, you know, what were some of the biggest challenges you had when you were just starting off? Hmm. As far so what made me act on it? Yeah. What made you like, you, you were working like, I, I know I used to, I was kind of, my godfather's kind of a, uh, he was a, an insurance appraiser. Mm -hmm. So he knew what everything was worth. Yeah. You know, and so that was his skill, right? And uh, uh, but I'm just curious as to going from that to this is that's kind of a pretty large paradigm oh, yeah. shift, right? I mean, obviously you were bored doing <laughs> underwriting, right, and being an actuary or something yeah. like that. So what made you just say one day, hey, I'm gonna? Uh, you know, what what made you change uh, your your tune and just say I'm gonna do this for myself? Yeah, I don't know. I guess there's just always been a I don't know. I guess a fire inside of me. I don't know how to describe it. I've always just wanted to get as much as I can out of life. Um, what age were you when you did that? Um, when me and Natalie started Zest, I was probably around 25 or so. And then when we, when me and Adam started working on High Bank, I was probably 27 or 28. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've just always wanted, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in like, you have one life to live and, you know, then, then that's, that's it, you know, you know gotcha. after life aside, but on earth you have one life to live and I just really want to get the most out of it. Um, came from a really hardworking family, but you know, my mom's had health issues, been on long-term disability. So I saw, you know, this really intelligent, hardworking individual that couldn't really maybe professionally achieve all of her hopes and dreams. I came from a really hardworking dad who was a pastor growing up and then had to pivot to get into a whole nother, uh, uh, employment, you know, situation to support our family. So I don't know. I think just seeing really hardworking parents who kind of had to 
deal with a lot of adversity, just kind of put a fire in me of like, man, I really want to get as much as I can out of this life. Um, and I want to, you know, I want to achieve financial freedom. You know, a lot of things mm-hmm. in life ultimately cost money, you know, right. whether it's experiences or whether it's helping others. So a lot of it is, you know, right or wrong, financially driven. So I've just always wanted that for my family. So that's really, you know, motivated me a lot. And just, I don't, you know, with High Bank, I think about a lot, probably, I mean, for two years, we were just meeting that once a week, doing business plan, everything, never knowing if it would, result into our final, you know, goal. But I knew if we didn't do anything, then there was certainly no chance it was going to result in anything. So, you know, it was one of those things of getting together every week and just hoping if you keep putting in that work, eventually, you know, somebody's going to believe in you or a bank's going to believe in you or an investor's going to believe in you. But if you do nothing, you're going to get nothing. So that's exactly right. What a great, uh, if you do nothing, you're going to get nothing. That's, that's pretty profound. You know, if you think about that in today's uh, world, I mean, when I started my first business, I, I was the same way. I was like 21, I think, and I didn't have anything and I didn't know any better. What a great, and I didn't have any responsibilities, right? What a great time to start oh, a yeah. business, you know, and because uh, the risk level at that point is pretty low, right? You don't have uh, all the things that you might have if you're 40 or 50 or 60, you know, with kids and and, uh, you know, close to retirement or whatever, you know, so it's, it's a good time to, to do that. But, you know, what I find uh, uh, a lot today, um, uh, people or young people are willing to take that chance, you know, um, uh, so uh, they're willing to jump out there and be their own, you know, with the whole gig economy and everything else. Yeah. Those people are entrepreneurs, right? Oh, yeah. They're doing it themselves. And, and so I guess that's the lesson that if you don't, uh, if you do nothing, you'll get nothing. And so uh, get out there and get motivated. Definitely. It, it seems like it's e- it's e- easier to even be a shining star in today's world because oh, yeah. we have a lot of folks that, that aren't motivated to do those things, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's a reward for taking that risk. For sure. And uh, and, and timing it right, you know, is, uh, is very important as well. So I, I always encourage people, I, as a young person, I learned – an immense amount from running my own business. I learned, and I did it through losing money and beating my head against the wall, <laughs> right? And uh, and and uh, but those I took those experiences into the banking world, and it just made me a better banker. You yeah, know, because I understand, you know, where you've been and what you've done, mm-hmm. and and, uh, and I try to uh, pass on those experiences to our customers. But uh, hey, I would encourage young people to go out there and. And and uh, and 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 do the things that you want you do to do. You know, you need Definitely. to reach for your dreams. And oh, yeah. and uh, if you do it every day, that's the thing I keep. I tell our folks too. You, you had a great point where we talk about doing consistent behavior every day. If you come in every day, work as hard as you can. Your good things will happen for sure. Definitely. You asked a really good question earlier, and I want to get back to it because the path to success isn't always linear. What challenges have you faced during your time of being a business owner of two different businesses? Um, yeah, I mean, COVID obviously was huge, um, especially operating two businesses, trying to figure out, you know, with one business that was quick service, um, not really, it didn't really, Zest doesn't have much of a dine-in component, so we didn't have to pivot that business as much. Um, when we were allowed to be open to operate, we were able to kind of more operate normally. Um, but high bank, I mean, we had to completely pivot the entire business. I mean, I think over the course of three days, we went from being a, we do very little carry out. We do do carry out, but our restaurant's so high volume carry out is a very marginal piece of our business. Um, so yeah, so we had to pivot from being a full service dining restaurant to a carry out business. So we had to redo our menu. Um, we had to, build a to-go cocktail program. Um, We had to figure out what staff we could keep, what staff we just couldn't keep. Um, We had to figure out what to do in our distillery. 
as far as continuing to execute production. But then we got into the hand sanitizer, uh, you know, business, giving away um, everything free to first responders and frontline workers, and then just selling the excess to essentially offset our costs. So, I mean, that that was one of the biggest challenges um, is navigating COVID and everything that that brought. And then even with the reopening, you know, determining, you know, all the guidelines and distancing and bringing people back. Um, yeah, that's been. Hindsight being 2020, is there anything that you would do differently now that you're kind of out of it? Um, we would have made $50,000 less because we missed <laughs> PPP round two over that. So yeah, we would have done that. <laughs> um, differently. I don't know. I mean, I feel like we handled COVID as well as humanly possible. Um, all things considered, I mean, we took some risks that paid off. Like when, when we were allowed to reopen, a lot of people like, you know, like waded into it, they felt it out. We were like, we're open full hours, every seat we can do with, you know, following the guidelines. Like we're not tiptoeing into this. We're getting the business open, brought back as many staff as we could and just, just dove in. And that has kept us ahead of this hiring situation that, all these other businesses have been plagued with because we rehired our entire business right away when people needed jobs and were ready to come back to work. That also allowed us to build. We always had a decent lunch business, but so many places didn't reopen for lunch. We've built an incredible lunch business now at High Bank because we just took the risk of like, hey, we're just going to reopen for lunch and you know, hopefully people will come eventually. Um, so man, there was a lot of risks that really paid off for us. Um, I'm sure there's something we would have done differently, but I honestly can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, well, yeah. you know, in the moment you're just, I mean, you're making decisions on an hourly basis, oh, yeah. right? I mean, and, and we did the same thing at the bank. I mean, it's, you, you have to deal the, you know, play with the cards you're dealt each day, Yeah, you know, and, uh, but it did, and I think, um, one thing, uh, a good lesson, I think coming out of COVID is, uh, is the, uh, dealing with adversity, oh, you yeah. know, I mean, I think, uh, business owners had to get creative. They had to change the way they did things. They had to. They couldn't just wait it out, you know. They had to adjust, and uh, uh, and 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 I think that's uh, uh, something that I, uh, everyone has to realize is uh, an important part of business, right? Because you, if you don't reinvent yourself, you eventually die, you burn out, and fade away. I guess if you want to quote Neil Young, Mister Spotify, <laughs> right? So uh, uh, that, but that adversity every now and then is a good is a good uh, dose of medicine that all entrepreneurs need. Oh yeah. No, I totally agree. I mean, that's something I think about a lot of, you know, how to, how to keep high bank relevant, not just next year, but for the next 20 years, because yeah, people's dining habits change, their wants change, you know, what's cool and what's on trend changes. So yeah, constantly having that, I don't know, I don't know, healthy uncomfortability is, is really important because yeah, you get comfortable, you stop, you know, challenging yourself, you start resting on your laurels. Yeah, that's when uh, that's when things can go sideways. And somebody, you know, somebody who's new and fresh and excited, you know, comes up alongside you and then goes blown past you. So I had a volleyball coach growing up that the saying was always get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. And granted, that was in reference to the defensive position in volleyball, which if you're <laughs> if you play sports in volleyball, you know that it's very uncomfortable. But I think that can apply here. Definitely. You know, you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable because if you stay within your comfort zone, there's only so much that you can achieve. Yeah. Without a doubt, what are you? What are you? Uh, maybe we could talk a little bit about the customers and and uh, and and what they desire. Um, and you know, so when you're creating your menus and and that experience, you know, what what uh, 
what are some of the conversations and and trends that we see there in uh, food? Because food is like being reinvented now. You know, I mean, uh, with the Food Network and and we've got a uh, guy, you know, that uh, won the first. Uh, uh, what 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 did he win? The very first uh, the guy with the spiked hair on the Food Network guy. Guy Fieri. Uh, uh, what's that? Isn't like Guy Fieri. Uh, something like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was from Columbus. Yeah. And he won the very Diners, first uh, and- uh, chef amateur chef competition or something like that. And then now he's got his own show and 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 food is like this giant thing now. And and so, but you guys have a very creative menu. Tell me how you've come up with those kind of things. Yeah, that's another thing where I, there's not like some special thing we do. We just, I mean, we try to hire really good chefs. That's a big piece of it. Um, and then, I mean, honestly, we just kind of sit around and spit all ideas. And I just give the chefs a lot of freedom. We'll usually look at our menu and be like, okay, we want to replace these spots on the menu. Um, and this is kind of the direction we want to go. And then I just kind of let them have at it. And then we'll do some rollouts, come out with some ideas, see what we like dial things in, determine directions. And we just kind of do that every time. We don't necessarily go in with like a set plan of like, all right, we want to put X, Y, and Z on the menu. A lot of times it's, here's our, here's our open spots on the menu. You know, let the sous chefs come up with some ideas. The chefs come up with some ideas and yeah, we just see where it, we see where it lands. I think so. that's so important because I mean, really food is an art, you know, it's, it's a, just a different type, just as distilling is, yeah. you know, it's an art form. And so when you try to control the chef, who is essentially the creative director mm-hmm. of the art, that's when you get yourself into these sticky situations. And a lot of very successful restaurants that I know, they have that type of freedom with their chefs. They say, look, this is this is the culture we're looking for. This is the vibe. This yeah. is the environment. Make it happen in your own way. And that's where you find those special, um, you know, creative and, and really unique dishes that come out. Definitely. Yeah, that, to your point, they understand the parameters. Like we're elevated casual. We're not a high-end steakhouse. So right. there, are some, there are some guardrails. But outside of that, it's, you know, come up with stuff within our parameters and go crazy. Um, yeah, currently we have this pork belly banh mi on the menu, which again, I would have never even thought of that. And it's, I believe, probably the best selling new item on our menu, but that was just them just being creative and coming up with ideas. But then we have the spicy chicken sandwich, which is by far our highest selling item. And we put that men- on the menu as a joke when Popeye's rolled out their spicy chicken <laughs> and, and sold it out. We're like, ah, we'll throw one on for fun. And now it's the best selling item on the menu for you know three years so then there's things like that where you just do random stuff because you and think it it's sticks. kind of fun and yeah and then it sticks yeah that's so. awesome that's awesome now now you guys were really creative as well in naming your business um yeah. and so maybe you could uh, uh talk to us a little bit about how how that came about and why you picked the name high banks because there's a whole there's a whole story behind that and uh maybe you can enlighten us about that yeah so originally we were gonna be called, I believe it was 1812, which is the year Columbus was founded, but that was already under trademark for some other reason. Um, but Adam, again, he's a big brand guy. So he's really passionate about ha- attaching a story to things. You know, we don't just want to have a random name that we just picked. Um, like, let's have a name that we like, but there's also a story behind it. And that's what kind of led us to High Bank. We didn't want to be Columbus Distilling Company because we do have aspirations of eventually growing outside of Ohio. Uh, but we did want to pay homage to Columbus. Um, so that's where we came up with the name High Bank, um, which is based around the story of the founding of the capital. Uh, you know, when they were looking for, for where they were going to place the new capital, there were a lot of areas in consideration. Franklinton was one of them, but it was, uh, I guess, it's in a floodplain, so it was prone to flooding. 
Uh, so they look to the other and uh, the other side of the uh, Scioto and Tangi to the high bank of the river, and that's where they ended up found finding Columbus, also known as the Wolf's Ridge, um, which I believe is where Wolf's Ridge gets their name. We never knew that until we were do- investigating the Stone story for High Bank. But yeah, so the name High Bank's really uh, attached to the founding of Columbus. So again, trying to pay homage to you know the city we're from, but also coming up with a name that as we grow can you know go anywhere with us. So yeah, uh, that's neat. That's neat. Um, uh, you know how folks uh, come up with their um, with their names and and uh, the historical components and all that. There's a lot of that happening in our in our world here in Columbus. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of folks at Columbus is turning into a beautiful town. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, we're the 13th largest city in the country. Uh, we've got all kinds of things happening here. And, uh, and, uh, obviously, uh, we're, we're known also, uh, as a, uh, kind of a food capital too. Um, you know, not only a test market for fast food and for other things, but, uh, um, uh, you know, just a general, um, you know, destination for that. I was in the airport not too long ago and I had a, uh, 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 group, uh, that I was talking to a guy and a gal and they were in from Boston. Hmm. They were here on vacation. Oh, wow. I'm like, you're from that? Boston and you're coming to Columbus on vacation. They're like, yeah. Do you realize the, all the food that you have here and the arts and like, we're going to see a concert and we're going to do this and we're going to hike uh, over here. And I said, well, yeah, I guess I live here. I guess I take it for granted. Yeah. But, you know, so we have people coming from all over the country trying to experience what we have here well, in central Ohio. Yeah. Uh, how about um, if you had to give some lessons to some folks, uh, you know, out there, young folks that may want to want to get up and do something for themselves? You know, if you had a couple pieces of advice for them, what would it be? Oh, wow. I don't know. I guess I think I think a big thing is, you know, try to figure out what you're passionate about um, and, you know, pursue it. Even if it's just a hobby, um, you never know where it's going to go. Uh, I think that's a big thing is just, you know, finding a passion and, you know, not being afraid to pursue it. Um, I think so many people just settle for like what, what life's supposed to be and, you know, checking the boxes and, you know, your passions and the things you really care about can get lost in the, in the mix. Um, I mean, I don't know. That's so tough. I think, I think finding discipline is just, I wish I could have found discipline early in life, you know, probably gone out a little less, probably drank a little less, probably saved more money. Um, just just finding discipline earlier in life, I think, would have served me well. Um, read. I mean, I, people need to read more books and in, invest in yourself. I think especially as you get busier in life, it becomes so easy to just stop investing in yourself. That's something I've been trying to do a lot more lately is read more and, you know, listen to more audiobooks and listen to more podcasts. And it's kind of been jarring realizing like, man, there's so much information out there. Um, and there's so much I still don't even know, um, whether it's about business or about parenting or you know, all of the things. So I think in the busyness of life, you know, having fun and, and doing your work and kind of take over everything and you forget to like, you know, invest in yourself. So I don't know. Well, those are, those are two great points, you know, uh, have your, have your, um, awakening a little sooner in life. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I grad, it took me 20 years to graduate college. Right. So, uh, I, I awoke a little later than most, but I, I, when I look back at that, I, I, uh, I remember though, that I actually started a business at 21. Mm. Yeah. You know, so I was, I was awake pretty early, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, I remember also one of the things that you talked about earlier is, uh, uh, is that you were, you know, spitballing and, 
and making stuff up on the fly, you know. And um, I think a lot of folks have hesitation about starting their own business or doing things because they don't know where to start. And then they lack the confidence to continue. Um, I had that one time. I, I'll tell a brief story here as we wrap up. But I had uh, um, a very wise guy uh, that helped my father start Heartland. His name was Jack Eggspuler. And he was a uh, uh, he ran Don Scott Field and was an attorney uh, who ran a company called Aerosafe. And, and uh, they, they would do uh, airplane crash investigations and testimony and stuff for, for trials. So uh, one day I was running my business and I was just all stressed out. And my dad said, hey, let's just go on a golf trip and take a few days off and, you know, unwind. And, and so we were sitting in a hangar, but you know, Jack was flying us uh, around. And we sit in a hangar waiting for a storm to go by. And, uh, and I asked Jack, I said, Jack, you know, how do you really know when you know what you're doing? You know, how do you get that confidence to know, you know, that you know what you're doing and you have that confidence? And he looked around to make sure nobody was listening. And he says, Scott, nobody knows what the hell they're doing. He says, we're all just making this up as we go along. And if you continue to do consistently the things that you do every day, day in and day out, you're eventually going to be successful. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's all about. And that I've really uh, kept that to heart that, you know, there's and try to give that uh, advice to young people as well. So the awakening uh, and then also uh, being creative and and uh, finding your passion uh, and then running with it. Yeah. Uh, if you don't do anything, you won't get anything. Those yeah. are all great things. Uh, Jordan, any other final thoughts you want to you know, pass along to us? I think to your last point, I mean, don't don't let the fact that you may not have all the answers like stop you from doing something. I mean, when we were starting High Bank, you know, we thought High Bank was going to be a distillery with a little cocktail bar. Um, but as we just kept working through the process, you know, found the location, it helped craft what the final thing uh, ended up being. But you know, we didn't let the unknown stop us. We just kept showing up, kept doing the next day and the next day and the next day. And then eventually the full vision and what high bank ended up being came to fruition because we kept showing up and kept putting in the work. So yeah, just not letting the unknown stop you from, you know, moving forward. So yeah, that's really good advice. Well, Jordan, I appreciate you coming in today. And uh, uh, folks, remember that on the 14th, um, is that right? The 14th, you're going to be 18th. 18th. I keep saying that I'm stuck on the 14th, the 18th of May, they're going to be open up uh, their second location in uh in Gahanna, new albany right there at the corner of uh, i guess that's 62 and morse road yep. uh, so come out and see them uh and uh, also remember they have the best vodka uh in ohio for sure and maybe even beyond so and the uh, best blended whiskey in america that's right best blended whiskey in america so all kinds of spirits there to partake in jordan thanks for coming in and driving thank the bus thank you 